Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 201 of the Double Density Show with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, it is the the one after the big one. It's 201. Uh, last week, I hunkered down in your bunker in the basement, and we did this in person. And I don't know about you, but I had several people reach out to me and say that they actually enjoyed us live, and they could tell we were live based on the uh, level of conversation and interactivity that was going on. Yeah, I heard the same. And... <laughs> You, that I sounds will, depressing to you. you no, no, depressed. it's not that. It's not that. It's just because I know now that uh, we need to do this in person all the time. So you can come over next week. <laughs> uh, weather permitting. No, but like maybe like once every uh, quarter, or like once every six months would be kind of fun. It was nice. Yeah, the, it was um, The editing, I really noticed it because usually when I edit, I don't feel we have a lot of audio drift. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of audio drift compared to when you record on the exact same computer. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a lot more helpful. And then you you trapped me in your home for hours at a time. So that was fun. You stayed for the afternoon and then stayed <laughs> and the for evening. supper. And then, yeah, we watched uh, we watched some like YouTube clips of my daughter's performances. In her high yeah, school. And then like random music stuff too. Like I yeah. I got your place at like at like two and left at like 930. Yeah, it was really fun. It was fun. We, saw, we saw a fire on the mountain, not caused by aliens though. No, unfortunately, probably some some idiot teens, right? Who knows? Apparently, though, some, some uh, concerned citizens actually went up on the mountain and put it out. That's why when you we left, we didn't see much of a fire anymore. Oh, okay, yeah, because we were looking uh, and we didn't see anything. And then, yeah, I've subjected you and your family to the Stardew Valley board game, which is very confusing. That is a complicated, complicated board game. Well, also, like, it took a while to set up. That's the other thing, too, is, like, I, I came into it, uh, like, the box was unopened. Sealed. Yeah, and uh, a lot of uh, things to pull out of the little uh, cardboard thing yeah i used your kids for manual labor i'll i'll be honest with that one and some of the cardboard was not cut out perfectly no exactly that was a bit of a problem we realized as your son was helping us out and and your daughter at first because you had wandered off uh thought it was is him just going too quickly and then we tried a couple and sure enough it was just the 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 way they weren't popping out properly it was like a factory issue while it was a way that she gave him a few smacks across the head. Oh, for sure. Yeah. She even offered to like, uh, you know, use this, the, like there was like a stick nearby to, to oh, sort of, of set things straight. So I said, no, no, don't use the stick. It's okay. I'm glad you didn't. I appreciate your helpful uh, babysitting skills. <laughs> no, but I had such a joy. It was, it was really nice to hang out with you and your family. And we played video games too. We, we forgot to mention oh, that. Yeah, we played I forgot. Yeah, we played, uh, we played uh, what is it called? A boomerang foo. Yes, which was super enjoyable with four players. Yeah, with uh, it's just like different types of foods throwing boomerangs. Oh, at each other. before I forget, we we should mention like we watched uh, uh, your daughter's recitals, but like with her, like we weren't. Yeah, we weren't just creeping. Yeah, because she. Well, it, it all started with you asking questions about the yeah, the program. I'm curious. Like I've been out of high school for like twenty plus years now. Oh, yeah, when, when we were kids, they didn't have these fancy programs no. where they did. Regular high school in the morning, and in the afternoon, the kids do something enjoyable. Did I tell you that, like, we, at one point, every student in, like, grade eight, I think, had to take music class, and we didn't have recorders. We had to share a drum. Like, we, like, it was a snare drum. <laughs> share recorders, which is gross. This is pre-COVID. Uh, you can share recorders back then. But sadly, not even recorders. We had snare drums that we had to share. So how do you teach? Did you all play Wipeout? No. Like, but how, do you, how are you supposed to teach, like, the scales on a drum? Uh, you can that was it was super it was weird you can learn rhythm that's about it that's it nothing else speaking about learning things i uh was trolling the internet of course and i found this really interesting so angela let's start do you know what deviant art is i've heard of it there's like i 
I used to go to Deviant or like it, I would look up like interesting desktops for my for my wallpaper on my computer and inevitably I would end up at DeviantArt with some really nice drawings and artwork of usually video games and stuff I would look for stuff and uh really nice stuff there but I think uh there's also not so nice stuff probably <laughs> yeah there's a little bit of everything uh something to keep in mind though I feel like like DeviantArt walked so that things like Tumblr could run in oh, terms of like sense. sharing fandom pictures right that makes a lot of sense. So it's one of the earlier sites online, correct? For like, this kind of, of thing, type yeah. of stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> earlier sites online, like the military and things like that. <laughs> Area 51, they were there first. The reason I bring them up is because they've decided to make sure that by default, their database of images cannot be crawled by AI bots in order to generate AI you know, requested images, right? So when you get one of these AI bots these days, you can type in exactly what you're looking for and it kind of, it tr- troll, like it trawls, not trolls, it trawls the internet to try and find um, image sources that, that kind of match up to that to get an idea of what they're trying to draw. So DeviantArt is kind of pushing against that by saying, hey, listen, like, that's great and all, but like d- our database by definition is not that way. If you want to be trolled, if you want to be included in, uh, you know, an AI's research phase, you can, but you have to unclick a button. I'm laughing because I'm picturing uh, the day when AI starts trolling the internet and then the world will end. Well, I mean, that's the, the kind of singularity we're hoping for, right? I mean, it already has trolled the internet a few times, right? Remember when Microsoft put that thing online and uh, people taught it to be racist within a few days? Yeah, of course. Also, Smarter Child, right? That was awful. Yeah, so th- that never works out. Yeah, but anyway. Smarter Child was not AI. It was just a poorly programmed bot. So this is actually, I guess, kind of a good thing, right? Because we don't want AI stealing copyrighted material or the artwork of others no not necessarily right and even to to gain inspiration from it right because it's easy to look up very popular things but there are certain niche things that you probably wouldn't be able to look up uh, and generate a lot of hits for right so what would be the most niche thing you can ask for i feel and uh, this is going to reveal a lot about me, but I've shared some YouTube videos of this man. His name is King Cobra JFS. He is yeah. a man that I enjoy hate watching. What up, YouTube? And so anything related to him, right? Because he only has a couple of thousand viewers. Him, him. Like, let's say you, you ask AI to, to find an image or create an image of him riding on a UFO with Donald Trump. So Donald Trump UFO would be pretty easy. He'd be a little bit harder to, to yeah. sort of pin down. I think it would end up being Donald Trump on a UFO with like an actual cobra of some kind. With a cobra, yeah. So what about you? What would you like? What would you want to type in to see what what happens? Um, I don't know um, because I don't really follow anything too niche. I guess. Well, okay. Um, here's here's a good one. We've talked about this. What about like a Rick Beato? Okay, I was just about to say an image of Rick Beato on The Talking Dead. Oh, wait, that actually happened. <laughs> that <week>. actually <laughs> happened, yeah. So this is the second time today I get to talk about that because I went to the uh, their Moral Remains Pink Floyd exhibit in town, um, which is like an officially sanctioned Pink Floyd exhibit. My father-in-law was over the moon. He was thrilled. Was um, the Black Strat there? It sure was. Um, but anyways, all, all that being said, we went to breakfast beforehand, and he was like, I watched a lot of Rick Beato videos this week. Do you know what The Walking Dead is? And I had to laugh. <laughs> yeah, so that I was, thought that, that was, was kind of funny. And uh, apparently him and Chris Hardwick are buddies. Wasn't Chris Hardwick kind of like a problematic person a while back? Apparently. I So I looked into that too. And apparently there was uh, like things that weren't necessarily all tr- Like I don't, anyway, I, I don't like talking about this type of stuff because I wasn't there. But uh, it was looked into and the things that his ex was saying were not necessarily all true maybe. But 
who knows the truth, right? Like, I, I don't like You know uh, what? Though, we will open the doors. If anyone knows more tea and knows how to point us towards, like, credible sources about this Chris Hardwick situation, you can go ahead and uh, tweet us double underscore density. Yeah. Though we don't know quite how no. long Twitter is going to last anymore. Yeah. And, and because well, I, I, I do feel if, if something, if he had done wrong, like, we've been pretty good as a society to kind of, like, get rid of people <laughs> that were horrible, right? And uh, it would be weird that all of a sudden he was able to sneak through. True, but people sneak through all the time, right? Like you look at uh, Johnny Depp, for example. Like I do believe that there's a lot more there going on. That's and true. Um, there's been a lot of uh, interesting reports since the trial stating that like basically like public relations firms were um, creating grassroots style campaigns. And I'm using air quotes in order to uh, to curry favor, right? And so all these people say, let's not get into this. You're right. No, I know. You know what's not going to last long, Angelo? Twitter. Right. Like, let's just be honest. Day by day. Right. We were recording this on Sunday, November 13th. And every day is a kind of new and uh, thrilling adventure. Like, for example, the debacle of the the official checkmark. Right. And, you know, mentioning that, like, there's the checkmark, but also the the official brands. Right. Right. Under the name for official brands and different colors as well. Like a green. Yes. And mark. different. Qualities. So as of today, you cannot buy a Twitter blue subscription. OK. Yeah. Because they realized that too many people were impersonating other people. Yes, and, you know, uh, stocks dropped drastically. Uh, my favorite was the Nintendo of America knockoff that was uh, just showing Mario giving the finger. Love that one. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's a great tweet from uh, David Chen, who's a host of, a, of the Filmcast. Great podcast. Um, he said, everything at Twitter makes a lot more sense if you realize that Elon is literally Kendall Roy from Succession. And uh, he put a great picture of something that somebody said uh currently uh, some so i guess somebody who works at twitter wrote currently an all an emergency twitter all hands going down with elon musk answering employee questions elon was asked how are you going to deal with the expected attrition and align everyone on a shared vision elon's answer i don't know we all need to be more hardcore and i can totally picture kendall roy saying something like oh, that. yeah for sure well, and then uh, going uh, off and rapping Season three, right? Talking when he was in the car at the beginning of season three, right? Yes, bad that's tweet, exactly bad what I'm picturing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's so much going on. So Although Kendall Roy is more likable than Elon Musk. Yes, but he, well, spoiler, but I don't know if it's a spoiler, but like, I, has Elon Musk killed someone? Oh, I don't know. Is that a spoiler for Elon Musk? <laughs> so the funny thing is, so right now this afternoon, he picked a fight with someone who used to run the food program at Twitter because he was saying that he cut uh, lunches. Well, I mean, look, if you can't like get employee lunches. a day from, from uh, people that are subscribers, then you'll get reverse $8. It'll save $8 a day from lunches. So he replied to a random tweet um, talking about how he's planning on cutting things. And he said, especially bizarre, given that almost no one came to the office, estimated cost per lunch served in the past 12 months is less, is about $400, I guess, or more than $400. So the funny thing is some person who used to work there had mentioned that, like, hey, this is a lie. I ran the program and this is where the stats. And he said, false. That's it. So, you know, it's it's the nitpicky kind of stuff, the trench kind of stuff. This is why people don't trust Twitter anymore. No, it's it's going to be a mess. It still is a mess. It will continue to be a mess. And I think I think it'll survive though. And I think like Elon Musk will kind of they'll kind of get rid of him and he'll still own it, but he'll place somebody in charge who actually knows what they're doing. I don't think so. I think he's too egomaniacal to do that. Okay. This is all about him. Like this is vanity, right? This is his his baby, his idea. He was uh, this was foisted onto him, right? Well, you because know. he tried to like save face and make a comment, and then he ended up buying it. Yes. Well, when you publicly say I'm going to buy Twitter, 
And then uh, you affect the stock price and things like that. Then, you know, you're kind of beholden to figuring that out. Only $44 billion, though. Come on. Pocket change. Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. Double Density. Speaking of who knows how things are going to go, I linked you to a very lengthy article but before that let's talk about video games in general yeah i got god of war ragnarok this week it's 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 one of the rare occasions when i buy a game as it comes out that's only happened uh a few times in the last year or so um the other one was a game that can't be named but um, yes and then thank the you F1 for upholding game. that by the way and now god of war ragnarok wow it's really good and it's uh it's Cutting it close uh, to me thinking this might be uh, another contender for Game of the Year, although I will say that other game that can't be named uh, is up there with one of my being one of my favorite games ever. For now, God of War Ragnarok is just a really good game, maybe in my top 10 somewhere, but uh, I've only played like six hours, so we'll see where it ends up. How long is the game estimated to be? I think 30 to 35, so it's, it's a okay. lengthy, lengthy game because um, they've decided to not make a trilogy out of this. So it's this is going to end the story. So, so this, this is it. This is also yeah. a kind of walkthrough. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Continue. But I mean, that's, that's kind of standard, right? Like if you, you consider like Final Fantasy VII was thirty-five to forty hours. Most of the Final Fantasy games are pretty much that. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's like Final Fantasy probably even longer than that. This is, uh, I for me, it's long because as an adult now with other responsibilities, I don't have as much time to play video games. But you mentioned it, Angelo. Oh, I said it. Oh no, you're gonna have to bleep it, Brian. Uh, I owe you money, I guess. Uh, no, but, you owe the uh, show money. We well, also owe me money, but yes. Yeah, that other game uh, that I can't name, although I probably just did, took me like 100 hours. So, But you're one of those... Okay, so let me ask you your gaming style, right? Are you one of those people who loves just doing the main quest first and then you'll replay the game for all the side quests? No. I, I, do, the, I do everything as it comes, and if I don't feel like doing something now, since I don't have as much time, I don't feel bad about skipping certain things. And the thing with certain um, games from a certain um, publisher, not publisher, from a certain uh, developer, uh, those games, they don't mind putting in content that they know people are going to miss because it's so cryptic anyway. Just um, very deep lore kind of stuff? Yeah, really, really. Uh, things you end up having to on YouTube to actually watch. God of War is not like that. Um, and the other thing is it has amazing accessibility features for for everyone, including people like me that don't necessarily need the accessibility features, but they help in streamlining how the game plays for me. So I'm playing on normal right now. And if I want to make it easier, there's a few choices there, but I've, I've decided to leave it on normal and make certain things a little easier. So for example, I've given myself a little more invincibility when I roll out of the way. I also changed the uh, roll button from the X to the... Um, O or circle, I guess, on the PlayStation, because uh, I don't understand why they would put on an X. All the other games, circle. That's a weird. Yeah, I'm just thinking about X. Like X is the occasional button, right? So yeah. So anyway, so X is the button where you put, pick things up. Circle is the actual roll button, and it's helpful because I'm also playing Final Fantasy VII, and roll in that is uh, the circle button. You're playing Final Fantasy VII. Interesting. Yeah, we did. Didn't we discuss this already? We did. We did. I thought you. Were, I thought you were done though. I no, no, no. I'm not it. done. It's. It's. I'm like about. 20 hours into that and i think that's okay. also a good a good 30 hours so 
I'm I'm moving back and forth because they're two very different games, so I can I can actually play those at the same time. So it's, I'm just it's, glad that you you have these options in your life. Yeah, well, Final Fantasy VII uh, is uh, quote unquote free. It's it's part of the PS Plus um, extra slash premium subscription, so I have it there. Might as well play it. Um, God of War is not. Sony does not <laughs> does not put theirs. No, like, of course top not. That's a, that's a AAA title, right? Yeah. yeah, but Microsoft does right, like because they're more. They they're feel they're going to make more money from yeah. yeah from from Game Pass, whereas Sony that's not really their thing. They want to. And they still sell, right? Because like these games are Sony's bread and butter. Microsoft, a little less so with the uh, exclusives. Are we going to start a uh, console war on the podcast? I, I, no, the only one that matters is Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis, right? Yeah, because neither of us really care. We just no, exactly. like games. If whatever, whatever you want to play them on, great. Have fun. Speaking of having fun in video games, uh, this is a topic that has neither in it. So I recently <laughs> linked you to a uh, Medium article, a very lengthy Medium article by composer Mick Gordon, who is most famous for Doom 2016 and also more recently uh, Doom Eternal, and all about how id studio director Marty Stratton released a an open letter uh, on the Doom subreddit a, in like May or June of 2020 and kind of took Mick down pretty much and kind of used him as the scapegoat. Now Mick has revealed an extensively uh, well-written and documented uh, letter about all of the lies that had been mentioned in the actual path that he had taken uh, in getting Doom Eternal's music done. How many words is this? This is a very long. It's like 15,000, I think. Yeah, it's it's very long, really detailed. Uh, did you read the whole thing? I, I sure read the whole thing. Yeah, I, I skimmed a lot of it, but I, I kind of have a sense of this because a lot of the video game podcasts I listen to have been talking about this all week. It's really terrible what uh, its software did. And, and uh, it's because it's such a good soundtrack. I mean, the one from Doom, I haven't really listened to the Doom Eternal one. The Doom one comes up actually regularly on uh, Apple Music. Apple Music loves suggesting that to me. So really good. But soundtrack who knows, who knows what you're getting with that, though, right? When you're listening to the quote unquote soundtrack. Well, it's so giving the story. I'm, so I but. This didn't extend to Doom, though. This was more for, for Doom Just Eternal. Doom Eternal. Like, Doom yes, was exactly. kind of rocky, but, like, they got through it. Right? it was like, yeah, was so, like, I, I haven't listened to the... Because apparently that soundtrack was wildly patented because it was so bad. Yeah, so, and it's kind of revealed through this letter that, like, uh, 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 another member of the audio team was just piecing together tracks and wasn't actually, like... And the audio nerd in me got really angry, and I imagine you two did, too, about all of the different, like, there was no proper crossfading, sections were repeating in, like, random places, things like that. Well, what's upsetting to me is that they actually implemented the like demos and scratch tracks he used as part of the soundtrack and put them in the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, you give a demo to somebody, you don't expect that to be what gets put out to the public, especially as a professional composer. Well, the other issue, too, is that like, so like something I found out that I wasn't aware of beforehand, but when you're contracted to write video game music, you're contracted for a certain number of, of minutes of music. And so he is alleging that Ed... Uh, used all of those different uh, pieces of music and actually the what we contracted for was only half of what ended up in the game so he technically got paid for 50 percent of the work that appears in the game and not at all for any of the work that was basically taken from him for from the uh, the demos he gave well that's right yeah and then they, they tried to like give him some hush money 
which yes, which he rejected. Well, so that's that's the kind of confusing thing because I feel like this is a response to um, it stalling out the whole process right now because they went back and forth for a while. Uh, and what had happened is that they got a shorter. So so essentially, when Mick started on the game, he was given a schedule that was very untenable. It was insane. He couldn't complete things on time. But then, of course. As is the case with a lot of video games, delays started occurring. And then uh, he only found out afterwards that the OST, so the original soundtrack, is like was being made because uh, Doom had announced a collector's edition, including a Mick Gordon OST, right? So the video game music is the score. The OST are like tangible themes that you can hear in a game. Usually um, an OST is kind of shaped and molded and a shorter piece of music. Um, than what you'd hear in a score. And they basically had to issue two different contracts. So there's the one for the score, which he was signed on for at a time. And then the soundtrack version, uh, he only got like a month before release. And uh, there were issues with uh, customer uh, protection laws about if you announce something and you don't deliver in a certain time frame or a window, you can ask for a full refund. Yeah, and can you explain a bit what he meant when he said he received the contract on March 18th, 2020, just 48 hours before Doom Eternals was released? So I think he meant was originally scheduled to be released. Okay. And like that's when he got, he got a contract just before that was going to happen. Exactly. So he was only given a couple of weeks to start because ultimately uh, it came out in April. And so he was just given a, sh- a very brief amount of time. And he has a lot of receipts about, you know, the the audio um uh, engineer on the team who is comping stuff together, trying to throw stuff together, um, ha- had been doing this for much longer than Mick had s- suspected. Like this had been going on for like six months at this point before he was officially brought on board. And the only reason he was brought on board is because he went to Bethesda, which is Aid's parent company, and had let them know all about the issue. And now this is basically Microsoft, right? Because they own Bethesda. That's right, yeah. So uh, it's very interesting and very kind of niche in a certain way because this is definitely, and to borrow an adage from your people, Angelo, this is how the sausage gets made, right? So you don't necessarily get to see the ins and outs of a a AAA title being created a lot of the time, right? You just see an end product. You get a vague idea of like, you know, designers and things like that, like working overtime, et cetera. But like, you don't really get to see something as singular as this. And I feel like the whole reason why this got launched on medium.com is because of the fact that like he and id were at an impasse about the money he was owed and i'm wondering what the fallout of this is going to be because he's definitely not going to get blacklisted like if anything like this is a confirmation of his like um skills as well as the issue and precarious position he was he was put in yeah well it's also his, his commitment to making a good product which wasn't happening here like as a composer he's working all alone right there's no He's basically from Australia, right? So he's, you know, he's, he's half a world away from from Id. And he's just sitting at a desk composing the music. I wonder, I don't, I I guess it doesn't happen with something like, like this. They don't go and record with an orchestra, right? It's just what he's given using his samples on his. Yeah, there's, there's, there's never a budget for an orchestra. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, some games do like, you can tell God of War Ragnarok is uh, an original score with, with uh, uh well we talked about walking dead before it's bear mccready who did the the yeah. soundtrack for for god of war which there's you <laughs> this is this is totally separate but when i first played god of war 2018 just a few months ago because i uh, i played it when i got the ps5 because it's part of the package i said this sounds really familiar and i couldn't figure out what but there's a tiny little theme in god of war that sounds suspiciously like uh, Agents of Shield. Okay, 
And then I went and looked. Who's the composer for that? Well, it's Bear McCready. So oh, it's go. it's one of his like signature moves, I guess. One of my uh, favorite Bear McCready moments, actually, and I was talking about this uh, yesterday with my wife. Uh, in the so Bear wrote the the soundtrack for Godzilla: King of Monsters. He wrote the score, right? Okay. He also put together the soundtrack. The uh, first song that play, actually is the last song in the movie that plays over the credits is a cover of Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla, featuring Serge Tankian of System of a Down. Oh, that's interesting. So if you haven't listened to that, as a side note, go ahead and listen to that. Is he trying to sell me crypto in that? No, I hope not. Okay. Is Serge a crypto guy? I thought so. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I thought I thought the uh, I thought the system of down guy was a crypto guy. No, he has he 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 came out with a couple of NFTs. Oh, it's NFTs. Yeah, I get. This yeah, but piece. no, he did not. Uh, oh, I'm curious. So let's see what this is worth now. So one of his NFTs. Oh, I'm no. I guess this is not it. Is it his? I'm not quite sure, Angelo. You can't see it. It's an NFT. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Super strange. And also, strangely enough, Mick Gordon uh, works on a track called, uh, it's the title track of uh, Scoring the End of the World by the band Motionless and White, who I'm seeing in a couple of weeks. So I've oh. actually been listening to a bunch of Motionless and White to, to prepare for that, including the song that Mick Gordon was on. It's all just a circle. Life it's is a Ouroboros circle. of things. But yeah, anyways, uh, go ahead if you have the time, read the Medium article. I would highly suggest that. It is uh, definitely, and you know, like you and I are under no pretension that like AAA games are made fair and uh nicely and uh, yeah. not through the uh tyrannical fist of usually like a lead designer or like a, a lead i've uh, i've yeah it's it's so uh, well again going back to god of war it's been coming up a lot and it sounds like that apart from horrible fans saying horrible things to people because it's not going to come out on time another delay whatever because there were rumors that it was going to be delayed until 2023 so people were losing it because if they can't get their video game on time they're going to be very upset Thing is, it sounds like it was actually a more or less healthy environment, not because, you know, you've heard stories of Rockstar and Red Dead Redemption EA. 2, that yay being Ubisoft there. It's all really difficult. And now we see this with even just the composer, what he had to deal with in terms of him not being part of the development team and a composer obviously working on their own time, but still having a deadline to meet. And what... What was given to him was not exactly something that was useful. No, exactly. Right. It's, it's ever complicated too. So it's just, it's very frustrating all around. And, uh, you know, does this bring into question which AAA games, which games in general you buy, right? Because I'm not usually a big buyer of the AAA titles. I mean, I don't buy that many games, like I said, uh, but when I do, uh, I, I refuse to play indie games, Ryan. I like all kinds of games, right? But yeah. I, I was talking to my kid and she was asking me questions about why did like, why are game, did games cost more when you were a kid or did they cost more now? And I said, well, actually Super Mario Brothers three in 1989 or whatever, 1990, it cost me or it cost my parents to buy me $95 in 1991 money. So who knows how much that is, but that was not because of how much work went into the game in terms of the, the, the amount of people working on it. It was more, literally the physical copy because of the chip shortages and all that. I don't know how many people worked on Super Mario Bros. 3, but I don't, I don't think it was more than like 20 people. No, I, it, it couldn't have been a huge, huge, huge uh, cohort of people. Whereas now games, the physical media they come on, in most cases, not at all. It's not what, what costs the money. It's all the work that goes into it and all, what, the hundreds of people? Have you ever watched the credits of a, a video game lately? Minutes, if not dozens of minutes, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, for Horizon uh, Forbidden West, you get to fly over the entire uh, map, basically, as they uh, scroll the credits. So there's a lot of people working on these things. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah, I really hope that there's kind of a breaking point because this can't keep continuing this way for the majority of, um, you know, uh, large video game companies, uh, putting out triple A titles, uh, you know, for example, like look at cyberpunk, like that was a huge disaster that did not end well. It's still being updated. Apparently it's all finally it, a lot better. Yeah. That's what I keep hearing, but like too little too late. Right. Well, they, they also made the mistake of putting it out on consoles that weren't powerful enough to run it. No, I think we covered all the different uh, yeah. gag style videos you could see of all the weird different glitches yeah. and things like that, right? So, but Keanu's so yeah. in it, so hey, that is quite true. Uh, Mr. John Wick Four himself. Yeah, I will play that game maybe one day if it's ever like fifteen dollars or twenty dollars to buy or something. <laughs> I actually bought Doom Eternal over the summer because it was twelve bucks. Yeah, I remember you telling me. I I have not played that one, and I I have Doom on PlayStation Plus. I just haven't had a chance to play it. So There's the twenty sixteen so one. Yeah, there's just so much to play. I agree. So little time, right? Too many video games. I mean, especially when you start you start playing uh, Stardew Valley, the board game. <laughs> yeah, if you're taking away from your video game time, then it's a whole other conversation to have. Yeah, that's a big team, Stardew Valley, right? Like a lot of people work on that game. <laughs> to those not in the know, to not to those not in the know, Angelo, yeah, it's literally it's one, one person, person. Yeah. one person. He and he like, there's no composer. He's the composer. He did everything exactly. Every. So, I mean, now there's more of a team working on it. I'm assuming. Well, but. yeah, there's like a there's a, a localization and also like a, a porting teams. But Sardu Valley is the work of one person. Correct. And uh, what a, a work it is. So with that, Angela, let us head on over to the paranormal side of things. All right. See you there. So apparently there's a female ghost in this apartment building who thinks I'm attractive. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So the first item on the docket this week is, uh, after our discussion, Angela, of you and I talking about AI and aliens and the paranormal and et cetera, so I managed to find a recently released book about that. So good news is we'll be covering that in the very uh, near future. Yeah, definitely. I'll be forcing you to read another book this year. That'll probably be better than The Entity. Yeah, The Entity. It was fine. I, I don't think I hated it anywhere near as much as you and Rob, but... So I decided to do some digging for this week's paranormal topic, and uh, it is something that you and I have sort of briefly talked about, uh, like offline, off mic, pretty much. But I was curious to know whether or not that there was a, a boost in the number of paranormal incidents during the pandemic, right? Because technically, like, we're not... We're not at the endemic stage yet. We're still we're still in the pandy. Yeah, we're we're getting much closer. Even uh, the World Health Organization is saying that we're getting closer to this being the end of the pandemic. But it's still there, although most people are treating it like it's not even happening anymore. That is um, quite true. Uh, even though, like, uh, you know, let's not get too doom and gloom. But thing, uh, nothing's great. Um, anyways, let's talk about something fun. Let's talk yeah. about uh, the paranormal Ooh. and the pandemic. So it seems like there was an increase in in the number of incidents reported and uh strange things happening to a multitude of people now my question to you is kind of a chicken and egg thing right like did the pandemic cause this or um were these just there and sort of the pandemic kind of brought more um uh scrutiny upon it well there's a few ways to look at this um if you're the the paranormal believer you might say well so many people died during the pandemic so many people suffered there was an enhanced enhancement of emotions all over the world, the collective uh, consciousness, uh, noetic science, all that stuff created an atmosphere where more paranormal activity thrived. Um, 
I don't think that's the case, obviously, because head on over to your favorite side. Head on over to the to the skeptic side. Like, what does this say to you? Well, I just say that a lot of people had more time on their hands, right? There was some. I, I remember where in the article they mentioned it, but um, you know, you're home, working from home. Maybe you're alone. Maybe you're not, but you're hearing all the weird noises in your house. I certainly started noticing stuff I had never noticed uh, in my house. Uh, just you know, an example. I'm I'm sitting in here. All of a sudden, the fan starts kicking in in my air exchanger, which only happens if somebody manually does that and no one else was in the house. It was coming from inside the house, Brian. Um, <laughs> I but, should have seen that one coming, but I did not. But after, what, 15 years of living here and, you know, this air exchanger runs pretty much 24-7, I literally had to go get the manual to figure out what was going on. And guess what, Brian? When it goes below a certain temperature, it, it always defrosts. On. It, it it turns itself on to auto defrost, and that's what was happening. It wasn't a ghost pressing the button in the house. Um, but lots of people will hear all kinds of weird stuff. Your pipes make more noises when you're home uh, because you're hearing it. You're not usually hearing that things. So, so many different things could be happening. You know, that's when the ghosts appear because you're home. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if you, if you legitimately have a haunted house and you're always home, then maybe you'll see a ghost more often. But that is quite true. I, I'm not quite sure where I land on this, right? Because I, I, so I have a couple of like different things I want to think about. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I uh, to discuss what you think or what you believe is most probable, right? It's just it's incidental. We are home, so we notice more things. Yeah. We weren't going out for a while. We probably notice more things. Um, but sometimes I think like maybe there is an undercurrent to the popular consciousness or the zeitgeist or whatever they're like maybe there are uh, is a certain energy that gets boosted up during these times of worry and panic that like creates a lot more opportunities for um, different phenomena to come to light. So are there like crystals in your home that prevent that? <laughs> because no. you're, making, you're sounding woo-woo now. I know, but I'm just some saying, like, just stuff. think about it. Just think about it for some, a second, right? Uh, Enya on and some Yanni. I was actually, funnily enough, I was actually listening to the Pure Moods compilation from the 90s. There we go. So today, this is so. where Brian's at now. This is no, what the pandemic is. But, has but done I want you to then. think about it for a sec. Like, do you not believe that the 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 popular unconscious, like there's something going on sometimes in, no, in I very weird times? No. no, I don't think that's possible. Not at all. No. 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 So you believe that your mind is your mind, that you don't belong to a, a higher collection of things at all, ever. Only that I belong to the simulation. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, like, we are living through a simulation. That is correct. Um, so. But yeah, so I linked you to a Telegraph article from the UK, which we had to use uh, 12feet.io to look at because it's a paywall. And uh, you pulled out a really good quote. Um, it did. Says, I'm proud did. of myself. <laughs> so it says, the parallels with COVID and ghosts are unmissable. A dangerous unseen force that can creep into the home, bringing fear and potentially death. It is little wonder that confronted with such an existential threat, Thoughts have turned to the spirits in the afterlife. Yeah, so that's the more skeptical take on it, and I really agree with it. It, it makes so much sense that being home, more time on your hands. You know, you're not at you're not at work, so somebody you can uh, nobody's going to sneak up behind you and check what website you're looking at while you uh, while you're working, right? You don't as have much to as have, companies wanted to do that during the pandemic. Yes, yeah, you don't have to alt tab away from your little uh, paranormal website. Or, or uh, you know, get that fake spreadsheet going. Remember the remember the Bosky. old video games? Bosky. Well, yeah. The, well, I, yeah, I think that's more the case, Brian. Like, people are, are home with their own thoughts. I know my, my anxiety went up while I was uh, working from home and but had you're still my own time from home, to right? sit. So, huh? You said your anxiety went up when you were working from home, but you still I, largely work from home. Yeah, I, I still, I mean, I've, I've been to the office a few times, but yeah. Um, I prefer a lot more working from home because I'm more efficient here, but that's besides the point. Also. 
Um, just a, a little secret, Brian. Macs are better than PCs. Don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> it's what a huge surprise. Gee, I wonder where that one came from. Yeah. At least the PCs at work. I don't know, Angelo. I don't know. I think we might be a little divergent on this one. Whoa. Uh, because I think, uh, so, you know, and you and I have discussed this, but, like there's a whole school of thought that like when times are uncertain, people turn to to fantastical things like horror, you know, um, the 08 recession, right? Uh, Twilight got popular, you know, and there's there's kind of like documented kind of pairings too, right? Whether or not this is like empirical, it's a question to discuss, but more of a feeling of the times uh, unfurling and people gravitate towards certain forms of media for it. So I do feel like, you know, on this end, I want to choose to believe that the collective feelings that we were, you know, all bathing in did bring about um, different forces out there that for whatever reason uh, came to be. And I know that this is one of the major deviations we may have here. Yeah, but so... Is this same thing the reason there's such a rise in conspiracy theories and things like that? Because I feel those go hand in hand. So here's you know? the thing, right? So, okay, so conspiracy theories. Let's take that down for a sec, right? Conspiracy theories are bred how? Through social media and through other channels, right? So yeah. I'm dedicating more time to that. Whereas a lot of um, different phenomena actually would, is, I believe, independent of a higher use of social media. Yeah, okay, that that all because you kind of, you kind of you kind of have to be tied into a network um, or follow accounts or things like that that like already speak of these things if that is what you're looking to explore, right? Mm -hmm. Or like you think you're going to see. And for the majority of people, I do feel like that is not the case. Like they're not like us; they're not following all these accounts on social media about the paranormal. So I do feel like there there might be a little bit of a separation there because uh, uh, you know uh, conspiracy theories are like viruses. I I would be curious to know how many of these people reporting paranormal events or whatever are people that had never even thought of the paranormal before that's what i'm wondering and i haven't seen any any data on that and that's what i'd love to know is like first time uh, experiencers right yeah um, compared to people who've habitually experienced things or you know who have like documented history of things happening to them i'd be very interested in knowing unfortunately like there's no data out there that that no. can quantify that but i that is a very good question and i do feel just you know um that there could be a higher percentage of first timers than than historical when you're looking at like Really, d- data points. Yeah, it's just it's hard because you're home. Everybody was in a elevated, stressful period. So, did that cause paranormal activities, or did that cause people to explain things with paranormal activities? Do you know what I oh, mean? Right. right. Yeah. Well, we talked about how, like, for example, like we like UFO um, sightings could be screens for other things, right? Yeah. Like more earthly, I mean, like more earthly based traumas, right? We've talked about that before, right? So, I mean, and everybody was living a traumatic event, really, the whole world. So, well, except for the except for the the deniers, right? Oh yeah, no, the fringe minorities they call themselves or whatever. No, it's 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 something fake to uh, for the great reset, right? They're gonna (laughs) pump you full. (laughs) Is that something you're looking forward to? To to you know a a an economic global reset. Yeah, I mean, look, we're, those same people are ones that go from one thing to another, you know, first of all, you know, COVID's not real, then, oh, COVID's real, but now they're going to give you this vaccine that isn't real, and then now the vaccine is going to cause deaths that are actually probably being caused by COVID or other underlying things, but not the vaccine. Also, but, the vaccine has a chip in it? Yeah. That, that one, I mean... You, you believe anti- in that one? Perfect, good. Yeah, yeah. No, but that one, even the anti-vaxxers kind of, like, scoff at because it's sort of dumb, but... Uh, but then they don't realize how dumb their things are 
Although in their heads, it seems more plausible. It's which I guess, yes, right? It's all spectrum, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I still didn't get my uh, booster shot, but I think it's because I just, I, I mean, I feel like I just had COVID a, f- a few months ago, so it's not really. You looked, you're looking at me like you're confused about this. Like, <laughs> yes, you had COVID. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's the vaccine? Yeah, no, one, one of my kids is really sick again tonight, but I don't think it's uh, COVID. Though. Yeah, sick of you, probably. Let's be honest. Yeah, here. probably. Get away from me. <sighs> I if this was last week, you would have ended week. up, I would have had to tell you, oh, Brian, uh, my kids are really sick and you were just here. Sorry. Just imagine. Hope you enjoyed that, that hamburger. <laughs> I, yeah, I had hamburger and salad. It was delicious. It was fine. You know, it was probably a, a pricey one if I had gotten sick and I had to take a couple of days off work. Some coconut pie. Good <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I do want to believe that there is a world of weirdness out there. And like, once again, like my, my desire for it to be true uh, and my threshold for needing it to be true are very high, but I don't see any harm in thinking about them out loud. For sure. As concepts, as concepts, right? That, and would, that's where I'm at with it. It would be really amazing though, if I'm wrong and there is a collective consciousness that has created whatever it is. It could maybe not be ghosts or whatever, but something. Well, here's, here's a good analogous to it, right? Um, Ghostbusters too. Oh yeah. Everybody's upset. Makes the slime. Yes. Yeah. The evil. slime infects everything. Then you have like a jello mold over the, was it the Guggenheim? <laughs> So. yeah exactly all i'm saying is that like maybe same but different right and also like we we have talked about this like uh and this is more so tied to, to extraterrestrials and things like that like because there's the classic eth the extraterrestrial hypothesis where you believe that they're from another planet but yeah. what if they're from a you know what if it's another frequency right we're all inhabiting the same space you know and that's so, like, the most that, interesting yeah hypothesis, it, it's definitely one of the crazier ones because it's easier to explain here to there in terms of physical distance versus like Tuning in, right? Much like you do like with a radio. Shifting perspectives and you end up shifting reality. Because we do live in a simulation and it's going to come up sooner or rather than later. Yeah. I mean, who's using the cheat codes? Sometimes <laughs> I think Donald Trump was using a cheat code. But then, you think so? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his, his I don't want to get too much into this, but like his popularity is like, is like tanking now. So. Oh, yeah. Because the red wave became a uh, red trickle. A trickle, right. And all the people that he was backing did not go uh, the way he wanted to. So, hey. Uh, Soviets, right? And he only backs the best people. The best. The best. Before we diverge too much on that, though. Um, I was hoping you say, like, this is it. Like, this is a perfect. Because we, we've kind of come to an agreement now, you and I. We're like, we kind of know where an episode ends. Oh, yeah. And that's where I was headed. Because I, I think Oh, perfect. This is, okay, yeah, so I will shut it. up then. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I think the, we, we've petered out our talk. We've talked about Doom. We've talked about the Doom of trying to create a, an OST for Doom. Oh, I thought you were going to say the gloom of... Oh, yeah, that's a good way of looking at that. I write um, for a living, Angela. Did you know that? I do not. I write emails. Not particularly well. But I'm good at yeah, pulling but, quotes but from an probably, article. You probably write emails a lot better than you give yourself credit for. Like, I've, I've seen your contemporaries. I've seen the emails they send. They're not good. Oh, yeah, no, I, I will say they're, they're quite good. Yeah, I, I feel like I do a good job with uh, being very polite and helpful with my emails. So if you ever have a complaint about double density... I'll, I'll be email Angelo. Yes, yeah. exactly. E- email Angelo at the at uh, doubledensitypodcast.gmail.com. Really just put him in his place. Yeah, or go to doubledensity.net. You can find um, the, you can actually, you can fill out a form there and it'll go to that email address. You or can. you can even find this on Twitter and send this a direct message. People have done that. I've answered. Double underscore density. You know, I've, I've answered way more than you have. Let's be honest here. Oh, no. I mean, like, I don't, I hardly even go to the, you look, the double density Twitter. All the public-facing stuff, yes. Yeah. All the public-facing stuff is me. Um, but if you 
write to me on Twitter, I'll probably answer you. Unless you're crazy. probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even if you're crazy, I think we can use that as fodder, right? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Like, for example, like this week, someone was messing with me. It was a classic scam, right? Where someone was impersonating my boss and sent me an email uh, to my private email um, asking me to buy Xbox gift cards. Because you need to do that for work. So I was toying with them and I said, oh, I thought we were just busy buying Target gift cards now. And then I kept changing the person uh, who's signing the email. Well, the last one is Dr. Phil Iverson. So nice. they clearly just wanted the gift cards. So oh. did they, uh, how did that end? You ended up getting the gift cards, right? They, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm at a thousand bucks now. <laughs> oh, one last thing, Angelo. I forgot to mention you. I saw Black Panther. It's a, it was a good movie. It was a better than uh, average Marvel movie these days. It was a, uh, like a half hour too long. Uh, but the more uh, tiring part of it was that we went on a Saturday afternoon to a theater that like is not historically busy. And so it was half full, except it was half filled with like 10 and 12 year olds. Like kids who probably were like too young to sit through like a two and a half hour, three, almost three hour movie. Oh, and so, oh wow, it's long. Yeah, it's at 240, I think. And so my wife and I were sitting kind of like in the middle uh, of an aisle, uh, in the middle of a row, and uh, three like 10-year-olds sat right next to her, like despite the fact that there were so many other open spaces, like why? That's so frustrating. And this was kind of like one of those VIP cinemas with like the nice comfy chair, and they were like slip sliding around. They couldn't stay still. They were checking Where were the parents? They dropped them off, I think. Whoa. I would not imagine leaving a 10-year-old alone in a theater. For yeah, especially for a three-hour movie, right? No, not cool. And then one of them wanted to leave. One of them wanted to leave halfway through, and they had a a tiny argument about that. Like it was just, it took away from the experience. Good parenting in the city you live in. Uh, Technically, the the island I live in. Well, let's let's discuss the geography of Montreal. (laughs) I'm sure (laughs) listeners want to hear that. The most haunted part of the island is which? Oh, that is a good question. You and I should come to the table with next week. Actually, yeah. What do we believe the most haunted place is? Is it Old Montreal, where historically there have been way more people, right? That's where the the French landed, and then the English also tried to battle for superiority. I would say the... you nailed it with that first guess. Yeah, I took it. I took one of those like haunted Montreal walks. Um, you learned a lot. Not really. <laughs> I mean, they're fun stories to hear, but at the end of the day, like nothing. Were you like? Like scoffing the whole time and just under your no, breath. No, I saying, mean, like, listen, someone was putting on a good show, right? Someone was putting on a good show. about this stuff. I know this stuff. Yeah. No, they were putting on a good show. So I was kind of, I was into that. Okay, good. That's important. So, yeah. So this has been it for episode 201 of the Double Density Podcast. And as always, you can find us over, as we mentioned, Twitter, double underscore density. Instagram, Double Density Podcast. Angela's crying. Double Density Podcast at gmail.com and doubledency.net where you can find all the different platforms but not all of the different platforms a lot of them uh you know you can subscribe find past shows find out a little bit more about us i'm on parlor also oh really i'm on truth social i'm on the donald trump platform meet us there if you want to talk about conspiracies what is the over under on trump coming back to twitter like like uh within the next two weeks with the way things are going on twitter pretty high you think so yeah i agree oh yeah yeah Twitter will slowly become the right-wing uh, tour de force that it always wanted to be. <laughs> well, that Donald Trump wanted it to be. Exactly, yes. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to hear other people's suggestions and bets, right, about what, how likely it's going to happen in the next two weeks, double underscore density on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so let's walk away from this. Let us uh, explore different avenues. Let us uh, meet each other on different social media platforms. And then next week, let us come back and talk about those platforms in depth, technically, um, uh, societally, community-wise. Like, I want some f- different flavors in here. Which one is the most haunted? Hot take. Obviously, it's going to be MySpace is the most haunted. 
Yeah, because it's like so many people ghosted it. Yeah. It's sad. It's a graveyard. It's a graveyard. They also lost all of the songs, right? Or 50% of all the music, right? At one point to due to quote unquote like a server error, which let's be honest, the uh they had a dead site that they were hanging on to way too long. Yeah. All that information. You lost all your songs, right? Hang on to. I did actually, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was in a, a really bad band and we lost all of our songs. That's one thing we didn't do together last week is play guitar. It's true. No, we, we were too busy to start doing. Though mm-hmm. I might you and I have been talking, I might write like uh, background music for you for you to play to. Yeah. I thought we were, we were you're gonna say we're gonna start a band. You know what? We should. We'll find someone, you know, we'll do like a, a virtual jam. A remote band. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> no audio drift at all. It'll be perfect. No. <laughs> all right, Angelo. I after rambling that much, I will see you around. I don't know. Where are you gonna put in the theme music? I'll figure it out. I always Great. do. I almost always press the end of 